by John Ray Wilson. And today we're going to be talking about the final battle, the matchup between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. It's been a long time, been an entertaining playoffs, but we're here in the finals. So in this episode, we're just going to recap the Western Conference Finals, the Eastern Conference Finals, and then we're going to go on to our finals predictions and talk about some matchups we're interested in. And we're also going to pick our finals MVPs as well. Or that'll go along with our predictions, of course. So, um, Jameer, what have you been up to these days in your non-podcast life? Oh, in my non-podcast life, uh, it's been it's been pretty interesting. I will be a graduate residence director at Wilkes University. Uh, shout out to Wilkes. Uh, I'll also be doing classes for Bloomsburg, uh, taking a, C- a CSA program, which is student affairs. Uh, so... That'll be pretty cool. I'm very excited to get started. I move uh, at the top of August, so it'll be good a good time. Uh, I think it'll be a wonderful opportunity. It'll be a new town, new people, uh, new 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 opportunity to learn about myself, and you know it'll be fun. So, yes. How about you, Zach? What's uh what has life held for you? outside of game time. Big teams coming for Jameer over there. But for me, uh, I probably mentioned this last, you know, a while ago, but, you know, gone to grad school myself at University of Maryland. So I'm going to be doing that. Uh, I'm going to have to, we're going to be in person now after, you know, all this COVID stuff, we're returning to in-person classes. So we have to relocate a little bit out there. And, uh, you know, in the process of finding a new job, just completing my current job, you know, yearly contract. So finishing that up and just, you know, getting things in order. Birthday coming in a week. So that's going to be fun. Fire. Yeah. But uh, that's about it for me. So I'm going to get into the basketball stuff. Yes, I think sir, we, love that. we started in the West. So why don't we go East this time? So how, did, how do you want to... What do you remember about this last series between the Bucks and the Hawks? What were some of your thoughts? Uh, my first thought is that Charles Barkley said something. He said that the best thing that that could have possibly happened for the Milwaukee Bucks happened, and that's Giannis going down. I mean, unfortunately, he went down, and it was it was sad to see. Like it, it was nuts. You know, me and my me and my boy Zach spent a little time together in Baltimore. We got to catch up a little bit, and we were watching a little bit of the Hawks and Bucks game, and uh, just watching his knee buckle like that was nuts. That was crazy. But, but it for it kind of forced other guys to step up and to perform at a higher level, which is a good thing. I think when we talk about Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, they're both known as really good players but not great ones because they don't do what they do well consistently like and and the thing is like they don't do it at the same time as well like drew holiday could play fantastic and then chris middleton will you know shoot 15 you know 10 10 for 27 and you know just not perform well enough to succeed and win games consistently and coach Budenholzer at times has looked very suspect in these playoffs so he stepped up a bit but um I mean 
it, it was it was very interesting to see. Shout out to the Atlanta Hawks. I do want to say that although they sent my Sixers packing, they performed at a very high level and they were very good in these playoffs. They showed a lot of people that they are uh, they are the real deal and that Trey Young really showed that he's the real deal. If Trey Young gets a little more help and the the Hawks continue to stick together. Uh, they need they need to bring Nate McBillan back for sure, and uh, they, they, yeah, they they could be a, they could be a force to be reckoned with for the next few years. So we'll see with Atlanta, but yeah, Milwaukee getting Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to step up is a huge thing for me. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. What about you, Zach? What do you think? Also, Brook Lopez. I want before before you go, Brook Lopez. Shout out to him as well because he really he balled out and he was huge, especially in game five. So, yeah. What, what do you think, Zach? Let's see here. I just want to start off with, uh, you know, my Chris, Middle, Chris Middleton stand account <laughs> comments, you know, because everyone always talking crazy about Chris Middleton. I've been defending him all this time. And then game six, he came out third quarter, you know, on his Jordan shit, was just hitting shot after shot after shot after shot. And uh, to follow up on your comment about his uh, – lackluster playoff performances where he just he's just inefficient on offense and as you said that I was thinking about why why is that why does that happen and if you look at his shot selection a lot of it he's just taking a lot of mid-ranges out of you know out of post-ups that are just off the dribble mid-ranges picking you know pick and pop type stuff or he's just shooting threes so he doesn't take many shots in the paint with Giannis present and again even in games, even without Giannis, he still wasn't taking too many shots in the paint. And his off the dribble creation, I think that's one part of his game that he needs to build on a lot in order to, you know, get to that next level that he, that he potentially has in him. He has been an all-star twice now, I believe. So he has that ability in him. He can, if he can get his off the dribble game right, you know, be able to make those moves and get those shots off, off the dribble, get, in the, get to the basket. I think that'll help clean up his efficiency and help, help him just become a you know, reach that next level that he can potentially get to. Uh, again, we mentioned Brooke Lopez. I don't know when he became an extreme lob threat, but this man was catching lobs from everybody, bro. Like, even Portis was throwing him some high-ass lobs. He was catching it, throwing it down on John Collins, who we, who we know is, you know, an athletic freak. So that was very interesting to see the Bucks transform their offense. It'd be interesting to see how they keep some, keep some of these positive changes once Giannis gets back. If they can integrate Giannis, without making Brooke Lopez just another three-point shooter again, I think that'd be great. Because Brooke Lopez, yeah, he's a great shooter, but at the same time, that takes him away from doing a lot of things that he's very good at, things that made him an all-star back in his Brooklyn days. You know, he was he was the face of the Brooklyn Nets for the longest time because he wasn't shooting threes back then. He was just a post-up. He's a monster in the post. You know, again, his, his little double-doubles, you know, again, averaging like 22, 22 and eight, things like that. So, and that was without a three-point shot at that point. So I just think it'd be interesting to see if they can get Brooke Lopez to be, you know, because they can continue to keep him integrated, keep him active in the offense beyond just a standstill shooter. And Drew Holiday also stepped, once Giannis went down, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton stepped up admirably. That was great to see. They're being the players that everyone thought they could be. But um, enough with the Bucks. In terms of the Hawks, like you said, shout out to them. They had an amazing run. Came to an end. Had to come to an, come to an end at some point. But they're going to be a very interesting team to watch in this offseason because John Collins is going to be a free agent, a restricted free agent. And 
according to what all the news articles are saying, the man wants a max contract or a near max. And you have to ask yourself, this is what, again, like Charles Barkley, he was saying, you have to ask yourself, can we go, how far can we go with this guy as a max contract player? And for being real, that was their ceiling with John Collins. Like what just happened this year, that's their ceiling. Even if they sign John Collins for a max and he gets, and he gets a little better, he becomes a potentially an all-star once or twice. I just don't, I don't know how often he can do that seeing as he's in the same conference as Durant, Tatum, Embiid, et cetera, et cetera. But um, if he does become, even if he becomes a little better, I guess one or two all-star appearances, I still don't think that's enough for the Hawks to get over that hump. So seeing what they do in this offseason will be very, very interesting because they can run it back with the same crew and hope they get some growth or they can find a new starting power forward. And that will dramatically change how they do things and change the trajectory. So I'm just very excited to see what the Hawks do in this offseason. They're definitely going to be, they're definitely a team I'm going to be paying attention to. And a uh, shout out to Cam Reddish also. <laughs> that man started going crazy in that game six. He was going right at Middleton. It was fun to see, see him trying to fight back and keep his team in the game, even playing some inspired defense. He was just, just, you know, every time he scored, he's trying to hype his team up, get, try to get his team back in the game. Because a lot of the players on the Hawks were seemed defeated when Middleton scored like eight straight, and then he continued to score, continued on to get 23 in the third. A lot of the Hawks players did seem defeated at that point. And then I can't Reddish helped them rally back. They were down six at one point in the fourth before the Bucks uh, got it together and just, you know, started doing what they were supposed to do. So, yeah, the Hawks have some nice pieces. You know, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to stay for a little bit. But their front court will be interesting. I've seen a lot of uh, – for some, for some reason, I have a lot of Hawks followers on Twitter, and they all hate Clint Capella, apparently, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> I didn't realize that, that they hated him because I thought he had a good year, but they're not a fan. So, and granted, to be fair, Clint Capella is always a center. Like, he's always a great center to have, but there's always someone better. Mm-hmm. Not always someone better, but you'd like to have a better center than Capella. So – yeah, it'll be. I'm just gonna watch in the off season. But shout out to them; they had a great run. They beat teams that everyone expected them to lose to. So, yeah. Cool. Um, and um, you make an interesting point about their off season. I think that there's a lot to look forward to when it comes to Atlanta basketball because Trey Young this year he proved that he was the real deal and that he can be a superstar. Like I don't know if he's there just yet, but his ceiling is superstar. The way that he ran the offense, the way that he hit timely shots, he was confident all playoffs, and he stayed, you know, he stayed aggressive, even as a little guy. The the question mark for me with Atlanta, as you said, would be ceiling. Like, where do you go from here? Because you know you can win with this kind of team and with Trey Young spearheading the team. But can you win a championship with this roster? Which I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question for me would be like, how do they advance that ceiling? Mm-hmm. What is the next logical step in your eyes? It's because they they did bring up an interesting point of who like you could potentially sign and trade him if he just wants too much, which that would be interesting. I think that. If, if you don't like a Clint Capella or if the organization feels like Clint Capella, because I thought he had a fantastic year as well, 
and I cited that early before even before they they went on their run that he was he was doing very well and that he was surprising a lot of like he was very quietly balling all regular season very quietly so my thought is do you want to go in a different direction than him because if you want to go in a different direction than him there's a guy by the name of Carl Anthony Towns that I would look at because I think him and Trey Young in a pick and roll would be stupid uh, I think there's other options you could look at. I think it's Atlanta is a desirable enough market and place, especially with all the rappers and the scene, just the general Atlanta scene is attractive. And then, you know, you add on top of that, that they're, that they can be a winner. That makes for a team that can make some noise in the off season and really acquire some good pieces. Although, they kind of did spend up a lot of their cap grabbing guys like Bogdanovich and Gallo and, and players of that nature. And yeah. now having to deal with this John Collins situation. So we'll, we'll see. It's definitely going to be interesting to watch what they do, but they are an attractive market. So, and with Trey young, anybody that's not a point guard would probably love to play next to Trey young. I mean, um, they're going to need to figure out the defense because they couldn't guard a soul like Clint Capella. Even Clint Capella looked, you know, worthless against Joel Embiid. But, uh, you know, everybody <laughs> as, as everybody does. But they, yeah, they can't they couldn't guard a soul, to be honest. Yeah. So, well, we'll, we'll see what they do. But I think they're going to be very interesting. Yeah. One thing I think they do need to try to get in the offseason or just at some point while Trey Young is still on the roster is another high-level high, high level ball handler. Because you just see in the last game, just in all the high-pressure games that the Hawks have played in this, this offseason, Trey Young was wildly inefficient simply because teams were just going at him very, you know, very aggressively, going at him very hard, you know, doubles, traps, and he's a small dude. So you, you double-team him with a, a 6'5 point guard and a 6'8 small forward, he's going to have a hard time. He's, he's just he's just not big physically. It's just going to be challenging for him. So it would be interesting to see them get another guard who can handle the ball really well. I mean, you know, the high pressure games, the lead ball handler is always going to they're going to go right at him. Like, you know, even the in 20, 2016, when the Cavs won, when they beat the 73 and nine Warriors, you know, Steph Curry, his, game six and seven, he was pretty bad just because that's just what how it goes. That's just how it goes. You know, he had a bad game. I just hope people don't start doing that trade of the choker thing if he make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs again next year and he has bad games. I just don't think that's the case. I just think he just had, especially him being having an ankle injury in the last game. He think he was just he came back simply because his team needed him at that point. He was obviously a little off, I'd say, watching the game. But um yeah, I'm just excited to see what the Hawks do next year. They definitely we, I had I thought they weren't going to be a playoff team before the year. And I do feel like before, if they had not gotten naked going, they would not have the playoffs regardless. I think I would have been right at that, you know, had that change not happened. But, you know, you don't, you don't know what's gonna, what the hell is going to happen during the year. But like you said, Nate Villain definitely locked in for the job next year. He made this team, he just unlocked a lot of things that this team was trying to unlock with the players they had. Because they had, you know, they had John Collins and Trey Young for years, and people thought last year they're going to make it to the playoffs, but this just wasn't. They didn't have the right guy driving the car, but now they found they found their guy. 
No, Nate Mabin always gets always gets fired at some point, whether it's fair or not. But we'll see how far he can take this Hawks team. I think I'm excited to see how it goes. But um, you got anything else to add on this series? No, I think congrats to Milwaukee. They 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 pulled it off. It was it was a it was a good it was a good series. Uh, and again, you know, Atlanta. We'll see you next season. Best of luck in the off season. Yeah. With that being said, why don't we move on to the West and we'll talk about Phoenix versus Clippers, another very entertaining series. Why don't you start us off with that one? Hmm. So. I was wrong. My prediction was wrong. I mean, we we kind of agreed about the Milwaukee series, and I was correct with uh, a six-game prediction. I picked the Clippers in seven. For me, it was interesting to watch this series because two, one or two things could have changed the entire series. The crucial missed call in game four with campaign on the sideline, that was rough to watch because I I feel like the Clippers' chances of winning that game were dropped significantly on that miss because they would have had like eight seconds, I think, to get a a shot. And it it wouldn't have had – it wouldn't have even had to be a three because they were only down one when that happened. So uh, that – that was crucial. And then oh, um, did they explain why they didn't review that? Because that series, yeah, they were, they were reviewing calls for like the last 10 minutes, the last five minutes of that series, or last five minutes of each game lasted about 30 minutes because they were reviewing every call. So why did they not, did they not review that one? Do you know? Kai didn't hear about that. Hey, it <laughs> beats me because yeah, it was. Because people were complaining and people were talking about like it was taking so damn long to review the last few minutes of a couple of those games. Mm-hmm. And then a call that was easy, in my eyes at least, is the one you don't really look at. That was it, that that really could have changed the series because the Clippers would have gotten the ball back with. I want to say I want to say eight seconds, maybe a little like maybe eight point something or seven point something. But I'm thinking in the eight second range. And the thing is, eight seconds is plenty of time to get a shot. And I think they also had timeouts left. So, yeah, you, you, you know, you're inbounding on the opponent's side and you got eight seconds to get a shot. You can get a, you can get a shot off with eight seconds. Whether you make it or not, that's different. But, you know. That, that that's a significantly different game. Also, the other moment I think that really was key in this series was the lob. Because that lob was so preventable. That that moment was so preventable that it's just it's just sad. And in, in, in terms of in like the Clippers. That moment and I think the campaign moment really cost them the series because while the other games were close for the most part, it was just like just little moments at the end were the ones that, you know, it cost the Clippers. And then ultimately Chris Paul just went berserk 
in game six. And I was I was on my train on my way home from Baltimore. And uh, me and this other dude who I was sitting next to, uh, I don't know who you are, I don't know, but shout out to you because he was he was doing the exact same thing I was planning on doing as soon as I sat down. Um, so we was both watching the game and he was like, damn, <laughs> like he just like it's just one of those 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 moments when it's just like a dude is just you can't deal with him. Like with Chris Middleton in game six, it was, it was very similar. Yeah, Chris Paul just, he was sensational. But, you know, shout out to the Clippers. They got to the conference finals. They had a really good run. It was a valiant effort. Um, Ty Lue, I think, has cemented himself just like uh, Nate McMillan as the Clippers coach, at least for the next few years. Uh, If they, you know, if they, if, they didn't have some health issues, and also, as I said, a couple of a couple of moments going in a different direction. This series would have been completely different. So, yeah, that's my take on it. Okay, yeah, I had the Suns in five due to the injury and health situation for the Clippers, but the series was Suns in six. So I picked the right winner, just not the right amount of games. But I will say, too, like you were saying, this series came down to fourth quarter, last 30-second moments just not going the Clippers' way. Like, you know, you mentioned the lob to DeAndre Ayton, which had me going crazy. That was amazing. And you mentioned the camera pan out of bounds call. For some reason, that was the one play that they didn't over-scrutinize, um, you know, after it happened and didn't sit there and, you know, review it for 20 minutes. But you also, you also have to remember, too, you know, Paul George had an exceptional postseason. You know me, I can't, I just stay clown of Paul George because he has to be trying to act like he don't be getting bothered, even though he's, you know, his feelings are obviously hurting. He's you know, oh, I'm playoff P. Playoff P. You know, I'd be clowning him, but he definitely had a great postseason. But unfortunately, he did have some free throw blunders at the end of a couple, end of two games, I think it was. And I think it was game one and two. Was it game one and two? I know it was game two for sure because that's yeah. the reason why the Suns were even in that game to, to throw that lob. Mm-hmm. Um, but he 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 missed free throws and crunch time. It was free throws. It was, free, it was game two. It was game two. He missed a, he missed like two or three big ones. Yeah, game one. You know that was without Chris Paul and they just the Clippers or the, the Sun. Devin Booker had that forty point game in game one, forty point triple double. But um, yeah. So like those are three games right there, or two games right there. But you know three key moments that changed the complete fate of the series because they lost in six. Had they won those two games, they would have won the whole thing. But, yeah, you know, Paul George – or, excuse me, Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka, I think that's a major thing people are forgetting. Serge Ibaka did not play at all in the playoffs. He played a couple games, but he was obviously incapable of playing against Dallas. And then eventually he got the surgery. I shut him down. But if had they had Serge Ibaka – Aiton may not have been as successful. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna sit here and say it wasn't gonna be good because the way he was playing, the way he's been been playing the whole playoffs, he definitely would have still been effective. But Serge Ibaka would have made it a lot harder on him than Zubats and Marcus Morris and Batum and whoever whoever else the Clippers were out there on him. <laughs> and Boogie. Boogie. Boogie had some good offensive moments, but defensively they just had no answer for Aiton. 
Yeah, Aiden, he even started pulling the mid-ranges this series. I don't know if you peeped that. <laughs> Man started hitting mid-range jumpers. Yeah, he was hooping. Mm-hmm. First two rounds, he was just strictly paint. But this round, this round, he started getting fancy, pulling up the jumper. So, yeah, that was big. Again, the Chris Paul game, 41 points, eight assists, no turnovers. Just timely bucket after timely bucket. The Clippers kept trying to fight back, but Chris Paul just kept shutting it down. And then to the point where he had Pat Bev pushing him because he just – he just got so mad that Chris Paul was cooking him. He just pushed him. And then he got suspended for a game whenever the season starts again. But, yeah, I mean, I'm glad the Suns made it. That's the team I – once they beat the Lakers, that was the team I triggered was going to make the finals. Because fact of the matter is, you got to get – you want a championship, you got to get through Braun. And the Suns got through Braun. So I'm just like – in my mind, they're going – I knew they were going to the finals just off that alone because no one else was – Braun and a Joker. yeah. Exactly. They beat the MVP and the the one player that most people would agree is the best player in the league. And in a lot of people's eyes, the best player to ever play basketball. And they got past that. They got past him and the best player from the season. So I just I just figured doing that, they're not going to go down to the Clippers. A Kawhi, this Clipper team, that's not happening. And Chris Paul, like he said, he, was, he, had, that, he had a don't lose mentality. Like no matter what, they were not losing that game. And that just goes to show the, the effect Chris Paul has had on the Suns team, just constantly elevating them when they need him to elevate them. And we can't forget Jay Crowder, the man who's gone to two final straight. Yes, sir. <laughs> buckets, high, high quality defense, very switchable player. The man is, is uh, he's in Phoenix for the next two seasons, not including this, this one going on. So, you know, they got, they got the guy they need. <laughs> Proven winner. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add on this series. It'd be, it is, I will say the Clippers proved they have enough. Like, even though they went home, similar, similar to the Brooklyn Nets going home, they went home, but had they been healthy, they probably would have made the finals. Just like the Nets probably would have made the finals had they been healthy, especially if they played a Hawks team. <laughs> but that probably would have been, that would have been a hilarious series to watch. That's a, a fun what if. <laughs> the Hawks and the Nets. Yeah, I think Kyrie Harden and KD would have went for 40 each in, in at least one game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no defense would, would have been played in that series whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord, have mercy. That would be that would be fun to watch though. All right. So yeah, that's all I got for the the Suns and Clippers. Yeah. I think at this point, we can move on to our finals matchup. Unless you got something you want to add. Uh, I just want to add one thing. Uh, shout out to Monty Williams. I also want to shout out to Reggie Jackson. Because Reggie yeah. Jackson, he played terrific. And, yeah, Monty making the finals is awesome. Uh, he went through some things. If I'm not mistaken, his wife was killed in a car crash, right? I'm not too sure what what killed her but i do know she had died yeah. two years back so you know just going through something as tragic as that and to come back and continue to get back to something you love and to find solace in it and to succeed in it uh you know last year a lot there was a lot of talk about this this uh son's team going eight no the bubble uh and then you know they get chris paul and now they're here, so I, I'm I'm very happy 
for him. I'm very happy for Monty Williams to have finally gotten to this pinnacle and to have done it through such tragedy. So, yeah, um, with that being said, I think we could transition into our final series, our final matchup, the, the battle for it all. All the, all the chips on the table, winner takes all. Zach, you can take it away. Why don't you start? Oh, man, you're going to make me my predictions? Yes, sir. Let's, let's, let's hear it. This one is very, very hard for me to predict because I do – Truly feel like the Bucks are the better team. However, Giannis's health is a question mark. We all know it's a hyperextended knee. And as far as we, as far as you know, I know, or you know, what we the we the people know is that there's no structural damage. So it's not like torn ACL or anything. But for those of us who watched the game, that knee that the way his knee bent was extremely unnatural. So I can imagine he's missing at least a game maybe to and with that being and with the Bucks just allowing uh injured Nets team and a Hawks team that should not contend with them for any reason taking the six games I know Giannis got hurt but let's be real they're probably gonna lose that game anyway so I think it would have went six Giannis or not with that just with those variables and the Bucks being the Bucks if Budenholzer shitting his pants all the time just looking confused out there, <laughs> just making questionable decisions. I'm going to go Suns in six. That's my prediction. I think my, 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 my heart is definitely influencing my decision or my belief because I, this is Chris Paul's last real chance that we know of. So, but regardless of that, I think the Suns will win in six. They're just a more consistent team. I trust them more. And again, Giannis might miss a game, maybe two. And if he misses three, oh Lord, I'm scared for the Bucs at that point. But yeah, but the Suns are more consistent. Chris Paul and Devin Booker have been on the tear. They're going to put pressure on Middleton and and excuse me, Wilson and Drew Holiday. You know, they're gonna have to be very active on defense. Cause like with the Hawks, you know, Middleton was getting some breaks to be honest, guarding Schroeder or Herder, excuse me, Herder and uh Bogdan Bogdanovich had a good series, but he's not, you know, he's not no Devin Booker. So I think just the guard matchup, the guard matchup is going to be key in this series regardless. Whichever team's guards has, has a better series will win this game. Because between Milton and Holiday, there's some they're high-level defenders, but Chris Paul's no slouch on defense, you know, nine-time old defensive team selections. And Devin Booker, we don't know, he's not known for defense, but he is a high-volume scorer, high-level scorer. And then PJ Tucker hasn't looking been looking too good offense. He's been he's known for his corner threes. He hasn't been hitting anything. He's been missing layups too. Like dude just has been looking sorry. Connaughton's been getting his minutes, at least in the last series. We'll see how that goes. Aiton, he might have a I think he'll do just fine against Brooke Lopez. But if Giannis comes back, that'll give him it'll be interesting to see where they put Giannis in this series defensively. I think it'll be a complete waste of Giannis talents to put him on Crowder or Bridges. So I think he's, it makes most sense to put him on, you know, on an AN, but then where do you put Brooke Lopez in that situation? So it's just a lot of, a lot of chess match decisions that Budenholzer got to make up, make that I think, I think the Suns are just more equipped coaching wise to handle what the Bucks can throw at them versus what Budenholzer can deal with the Suns. 
because Aiton's the only traditional center. And then once they go small, we'll see how that plays out. So it's Sarich playing the five, you know, typically playing a five out offense. I think it just be a lot of adjusting the Bucks have to do. And the Suns has been the, the deeper, their depth has been consistent all year. Campaign had a good series. Torrey Craig always comes in with a, a, a timely, powerful dunk that just changes the momentum. Every series, you, you can count at least one where he changes the momentum of a game. And Etuan Moore and Cameron Payne have been pretty solid. Cameron Payne, he's still continuing to be extremely productive beyond anyone's expectations. And I just think the Suns just got, they have that magic, they have that energy right now. I think they, I think this is their year. This is what's going to happen. It's just going to be that from missing the playoffs, a champion story yet again, just, just getting Chris Paul. I think it has to happen this year. I think they're going to make it happen. But yeah, how about you, Jameer? Another dude I want to mention from Phoenix's uh, bench is Cam Johnson. He's, he's going to be important too, I think, with his three-point shooting, his toughness on the defensive end. That'll be critical. As you said, there will be a lot of chess match kind of things that Monty and Mike will have to work out. But I think um, in that situation, if Giannis does come back, which his recovery time, if I'm not mistaken, is slated for 10 to 14 days, which means because uh, the game the game where he got hurt was on Tuesday, that means he would definitely miss game one and there's a possibility that he'll miss game two as well. So that's putting him that's putting them behind already the eight ball, especially being on the road. So in that situation, uh, honestly, they can run. They can run with Bobby Portis, and I think they'll be just fine. As you said, it will come down to Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and how they perform and how they hold up against Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But yes, I, I do like your point about the depth. Uh, they. The, the Phoenix Suns are a much deeper basketball team. Um, they are, I would, right now, like, I would say they're the better team because Giannis isn't playing. Yeah, agreed. Because uh, I think with a healthy Giannis, I think the Bucs are a better basketball team. Agreed. Um, Giannis is so good. <laughs> MVP, yeah. back-to-back MVP, like, he's tough. Yeah, because, like, I feel like Chris Paul and Chris Middleton could do enough because uh, last round, Devin Booker and Chris Paul weren't fantastic the entire series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they weren't fantastic. So the thing is, I think that they can be matched enough. And then Giannis would be the guy putting them over the top but just, just because there would be no one that could match him. And yeah, you can't really, I don't know, like you can't really build the wall the same like like people used to because of how they run their offense nowadays. So... Uh, just because I don't know just how much damage has been done to that knee, even though it's a it's slated to 10 to 14 days, I'm still going to roll with the Phoenix Suns because I agree their depth will overwhelm the the uh, Bucks. I think Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton and um, Drew Holiday will have to do a lot of work. Uh, even even Brooke Lopez is going to have to try to deal with Aiden. And I think he, he's one of the more equipped guys. I think he's one of the more equipped guys to deal with Aiden. Mm-hmm. He's probably, he may be the most equipped guy that they've seen 
all playoffs to deal with him. So it'll it'll, it'll be a very interesting matchup to see. But I think the depth, I think the consistency and their performance in crunch time moments. And and as you said, I think guys who haven't won a championship either, they have that run and it just doesn't work out or they have that run and it all comes together. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki had one of those runs late in his career and it was just a perfect storm. Uh, Chris Paul's run hasn't been the exact same, but I think it is his time. I believe that Chris Paul is going to do everything in his power, even having to, to deal with a Drew Holiday, most likely. He'll do everything in his power to win this series. Um, and speaking of getting into that, I believe that Chris Paul will help the Phoenix Suns defeat the Milwaukee Bucks. If Giannis doesn't play, which I will, I assume he will at some point, I'll pick, I pick Phoenix in five, but I think he will play at some point. So I will pick Phoenix in six, just because I don't think he'll be fully healthy even when he does come back. So I think Chris Paul will be the finals MVP in this series and the Phoenix Suns will be our 2021 NBA champions. I too believe Chris Paul, he finals MVP. I think he's, he's the key. He's, he's the big roster difference. And I think that's going to show up in this final series. One thing I did want to mention too, with the Bucks, which I should mention during when we talk about Bucks versus Hawks, but this is a very interesting thing I just remembered, but the Bucks, like Giannis, and Middleton were at one point end of the bench players in like 2013, 2014. I think I seen a tweet like a year ago that they were in 2K14, they were both 60 overall players. And now they are, they led their team to the NBA finals. I think that's just amazing that, that, that they went from the end of the bench to the top of the food chain on their teams. And just now they're in the finals. I think that's interesting. With I'd be happy with either team winning. Neither team, like, I'd be like, oh, well, I, I, I wouldn't hate for the Bucks to win. You know, even though I picked the Suns, I wouldn't hate for the Bucks to win. I'd be happy for them just knowing how far Giannis and Middleton have come, especially Middleton proving now that, you know, he, he, he does this. He's about this. He's, he, he can score. He can get buckets. He's, you know, showing that he can be – he was the best player in the Bucks at one point, and he showed why. He led them to this final. I just, it was just funny watching Giannis just hold that trophy, even though, even though he got carried to that. <laughs> like, I mean, he was hurt, so fair enough. But it's just funny, you know, the way he was holding it, even though, like, he sat out, like, last, you know, their last two victories, which is very interesting and funny. But, yeah, this is going to be a fun finals. I think I'm going to enjoy this. I just think, like, seeing Chris Paul get that picker roll against uh, Brooke Lopez is going to be hilarious. And Brooke is just going to be in shambles. I think Chris Paul might make him get hurt <laughs> just off of cross, you know, crossing him a little too hard because that's happened before. I know Ryan Anderson broke his ankle because he got mixed at one point. So it's, you know, Brooke Lopez is going to have a time. If they can get him out of the game and get Portis in there, Aiton's going to eat. Just a lot of variables that are interesting to see. Michael Bridges, if he can play he played a, he had a subpar series in Clippers but against the Bucks it might you know that might change because uh just with the Bucks lack of depth 
off the bench, you're only going to see, I mean, he's going to be in the first game of, you know, the first game of every series, every team plays like their, their nine or 10 dudes they want to play. But once the series progresses, it's going to be Connaughton and Portis off the bench. And that's it. Everyone else on the Bucks has proven that they can't play at a certain point. And maybe a pinch of Forbes. Maybe. I don't think they'll want him out there because Chris Paul, Devin Booker are the only people he can he's the, they're the only people he can match up with just off a of side. And then you throw him on Bridges. Bridges has proven he can he can get to the basket and make a, a tiny bucket if you give him a bad matchup. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't think Forbes will play much after. I think he'll play game one and game two is close, but I don't think we're going to see much of him. He just doesn't he just doesn't match up defensively. And the Bucks defense is too good for him to to get a Forbes game where he gets like 21, 25. You know what I mean? I don't I just don't see that happening. Yeah, so yeah. But that is one player that they they're he's their wild card uh bench player you might see, you might not. But mm-hmm. they're like so basically they're seven and a half deep, you want to count him. But the yeah. Suns are nine deep no matter what. So I just think that's going to play a big factor. Yeah. Also, you, you you made the note about what you what would you uh, what would you do in a situation where Giannis were to play defensively? Honestly, I would just go small. I would take Brooke Lopez out because what they're gonna run uh, Devin Chinzo, right? Well, he's hurt, so it'd be Con- it'd be Connaughton at this point. Connaughton, right, 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 not Devin Chinzo, right? So it'd be Con- so I, I would honestly just take out Brooke Lopez and start. I don't know. Maybe Portis or PJ Tucker. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Cause you cause you got you got Connaughton, Middleton, Holiday, Lopez, Portis right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they're probably gonna take uh yeah, I would I would take I would take um I would take uh Brooke Lopez out and Portis out and put PJ Tucker and Giannis in that starting lineup and run smaller and then try to play bully ball off the bench, maybe. Yeah, because Brooke Lopez in those bench minutes he matches up with with Sarge. He he'd kill. He'd kill, he'd kill Sarge. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just don't know. I just don't know. They're definitely going to start rolling with their starting lineup again. Their original starting lineup is going to come out game one. It just makes sense to roll with what you what, what's been working all year at that point. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be interesting to see how Brook Lopez plays because he was getting played out the series in the Hawks series at one point too. Mm-hmm. Just that, uh, Capella and Trey Young pick and roll. Brook Lopez was getting played out the series at one point, but Whew. eventually asserted him. Once Giannis got hurt, they're like, all right. Brooke, you gotta you gotta do this, gotta do that. And Brooke delivered, granted. Mm-hmm. But you have to you do have to remember he's getting played out of the series by Trey Young and Capella. Mm-hmm. And I think Aiden, I'd say Aiden's better than Capella at everything, but maybe blocking shots. Yeah. And uh-huh. and Chris Paul is Trey Young's is great at the pick and roll, but Chris Paul, you know, he's a, a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's, he does this. He's, he's been running he's great picks. He's a maestro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, I like that you mentioned that because, yeah, as you said, uh, Brooke Lopez was getting, was damn near getting played out of the series. And it, it was hilarious. Trey Young was shimmying in game one because he was so damn open. 
because mm-hmm. that pick and roll, that picking roll in Atlanta is really good, but the Phoenix Suns pick and roll with Aiton is almost impossible to deal it with is. because there's so many options. Like if you leave Chris Paul to shoot the three, he'll take that all day. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try to, if you try to actually help and try to jump the screen, okay. Now Aiton's got something down low. If like if you try to force, if you try to force Chris Paul to drive, he can he can pull out a floater. He can go all the way to the rim. Uh, if you try to help from weak side or something, okay. Now there's a kick out. Is is so much. It's so much that you can do. And then on top of that, Clint Capella is just a lob threat. He can't shoot. So mm-hmm. Aiton, he can pick and pop or roll. So that's really tricky to deal with. So it, it, yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see how they deal with that pick and roll because um, I'm sure Monty Williams was watching very closely to how they dealt with that Trey Young pick and roll situation. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think they'll definitely take advantage of that. No doubt. And they had to remember too, in a game four against Denver, when Chris Paul was doing, he ran the same pick and roll, got the same mid range runner. He's been hitting all postseason, got four times straight, you know, went on an 8 0 run on his own. And that's what put away the, the Nuggets. Like, that's something the Bucs are going to have to game plan, which is going to be very hard with Aiton running. You no, know, Aiton sent those picks. We, we've seen time and time again in this playoffs that Chris Paul gets open almost every time off of the, the, the Aiton pick and roll. And if he's not open, Aiton is open <laughs> because they had to double Chris Paul. So yeah. it's just going to be a very fun series. A lot of I'm going to watch all the matchups. All the it's just going to come down to how Budenholzer reacts because I think the the Suns are more malleable at this point, especially Giannis being hurt. Mm-hmm. That's just the fact of the matter. So let's see if Budenholzer uh, earns his keep because I'm not going to lie, I thought he's going to get fired again until until Ooh. Kyrie Harden went down. <laughs> I thought Budenholzer was about to have to find a new job. Oh, he was so close to getting fired, man. That man. That man job is like is on a line, man. Hey, um, you know, I think I think him clinching this finals berth secures him at least another season or two. Yeah. But oh my goodness. The way hey, the, the it took them it took them too long to slay Atlanta and Brooklyn, as you said earlier. It took them way too long and it, it was just way too close at times. You know, with the talent level that they have, um, it, it just took too long because mm-hmm. they were just making a lot of bonehead decisions. I knew they're good. I knew they're capable of being that Atlanta team without Giannis, which they did. But that begs the question: If you had Giannis for five games, four games, or four games, why are you allowing the Hawks to do the way they're doing them? Like game one was unacceptable. No. Then even uh, when Trey Young was hurt, Giannis was in, and then Giannis eventually got hurt. Like like we mentioned earlier, the Bucks were still going to lose that game without Trey Young on the other team. So I don't know. They just do too much. They just their floor is just real way too low for me to trust them against a Suns team that doesn't doesn't make mistakes. And even when they do make mistakes, they still. They still usually come out on top. Yeah. So yeah, because their clutch time performance is just untouched. <laughs> like they're 
they execute extremely well in high pressure situations. Yeah, so I mean, I feel we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely see something entertaining. I think I think also shout out to the small town teams, you know, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Not being the biggest market, also Milwaukee definitely not being the biggest market. So mm-hmm. I think that's a cool thing too to watch. Yeah. Um, this is a this is a good thing for this this finals is a good thing for small town teams. Truly. Yeah, I think that's it. We might as well wrap it up. Want to get us out of here, Jameer? Most certainly. First of all, I just want to say thank you again to all my all the fans and everybody who's shown support and love for the podcast you know with that being said that's it for today's episode of game time my name is jamir i'm co-hosted by zach thank you for tuning in you know as usual our our game time instagram is at game time underscore podcast we're on twitter at game time underscore z and j as well as facebook with at game time with z and j uh, you can follow those to stay up with further content. And then to listen to future episodes, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We can't wait to talk more basketball on game time.